0: So today for our sermon, we were going to be starting a new series. We just finished up our our series on the Gospel of Matthew. We were in that for for a couple months, for quite a while. Uh, And so it's time to to start a new series, Uh, but we're actually not going to do that. We're going to put that off till next week as I was sort of this week, you know, beginning preparations for the sermon, sort of starting to put it all together, uh, I just felt the Lord laying it on my heart that, uh, even for me, this was sort of something I needed to hear, but also something that I think we as a whole church need to hear. But. Uh, even sort of as I was planning out this whole week and thinking about all the things that needed to get done, again, preparing the sermon, all the other stuff of just sort of ministry and running running the church, uh, especially in the midst of of sort of this time and we have the coronavirus pandemic, uh, I just felt the Lord laying it on my heart that I wasn't being faithful enough in regard to really, in a personal way, ministering to people, really reaching out to people. Not that I haven't done that at all, but that I haven't been faithful enough in doing that, reaching out to people in a personal way, making phone calls, touching base. And even if we're sort of social distancing and sort of still staying apart, it doesn't mean that I can't make phone calls and just check in and say, you know, how are you doing? You know, uh, are you doing all right? Or maybe you've been going through a, 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 a tough time, and, and you know, how are things going with that? And just sort of staying in touch in a very personal personal way Making time for other people and shepherding them and ministering the, to them in that way. And I felt God saying, you know, I haven't been doing that well enough. And that I think this is something I've, I've certainly spoken with other pastors, and they feel very much the same way that it's so easy in ministry to sort of get caught up with all the things that need to happen. And, and that's important part of ministry, right? The sort of the weekly things you need to do, prepare a sermon, just sort of running a church, meetings, just everything that sort of adds up in, in all of the responsibilities. And in an effort to minister to people, right? Because there's so much that needs to be done. In a sense, you can actually lose sight of people and not be in a personal way ministering to them, right? Certainly, ministry, first and foremost, it's about the Lord. Uh, But sort of secondarily to that, right? Secondary to that, as we're serving the Lord, God wants us to serve people in ministry by ministering to others, by ministering to people. People are central in ministry, and yet all too often in ministry, as we seek to do ministry, we can lose sight of people, and sort of we lose sight of personally engaging with people uh, and just sort of ministering to them in, in whatever way they need. And so I felt the Lord sort of laying it on my heart that, hey, Steve, you need to be more faithful in doing this. And so before I even moved on with the sermon, I just sort of picked up the phone and, and, and you know, started making calls. And this is something that I'm just going to continue to do, uh, certainly in the midst of this coronavirus, but it doesn't mean that that ends there once this is done. There's sort of an extra sense of, of need for that in this time. But uh, it's something I'm, I'm certainly going to continue to do. So I felt the Lord certainly uh, convicting me of this and said, well, Lord, I need to be faithful to you. But, but even in the midst of that, I felt the Lord saying, you know, and this isn't just for you, Steve. Yes, there's certainly a sense in which I'm applying this to, to my role of pastor. Uh, but there's also the reality, I felt the Lord just sort of saying this to me, laying it on my heart, that, that it's not just that, okay, those who are in, in ministry can sort of get caught up in the business of ministry and lose sight of the people and personally ministering to them sort of in a personal way, engaging with them, uh, ministering to, that, to them. But I think also, even for those of us who aren't in you know, vocational ministry, professional ministry, we can fall prey to sort of the same type of thing where you, know, you might think of your usual day and, and you get up in the morning and you have you know, your usual agenda, your personal agenda. you got to get up and you get ready and then you got to get into work. I know nowadays maybe it's sort of like get on your computer and do work from home if you're working and so forth. But just sort of think think of at least a normal day even outside of this pandemic you get up get ready got to go into work you know you're there you work long hours then you come home life's just busy and well I got to make time for my spouse and then you know you know I have to make time for kids maybe if you have kids in the home or even who are not in the home anymore but still caring for them in various ways and engaging with them then maybe you have all your other responsibilities so I got to pay bills and there's a to-do list things that I need to do around the house and the yard and even as you sort of take things off the list it seems like you add them just as quick quickly. And it's sort of like we're so busy in life that I think we can, again, not just for pastors, but for all of us, we're so busy in life that I think all too often we can fail to make time for others. It's just sort of our mindset, even if we might aspire to make time for others, our mindset is like, I'm just so busy, I don't have time for you. You know, maybe we have time for the people in our little miniature sphere of, oh, it's yourself and, you know, your immediate family and maybe a few other close family members. Okay, maybe you make time for them, but if, if someone's outside of that sort of little sphere of yours of close family and relationships, it's sort of, I'm too busy. I'd love to be able to help you out. I'd love to be able to, to take time for you, but I just don't have time, so sorry uh, for that. I think all too often that's sort of the way we go through life. It's just, I'm busy, I got my stuff that I need to do, and we don't make time for others and make time to really care for them and, and just love on them and minister to them, whether that's in regard to sort of maybe physical needs they might have, maybe it's emotional needs, maybe it's spiritual needs, but to recognize various needs and just to make time for people to minister to them in those ways. And I think all too often we we really fail to do that. Uh, And I want to take a look today. We're, of course, going to talk about making time for others. That's what this sermon's all about, something that sort of I've needed to preach to myself first and foremost, but now I'm preaching to you as well and, and sort of challenging us to live this out faithfully. But we really see in Scripture the reality that we are called to make time for others. In fact, this is God's heart, as we're going to see, that He cares about individuals in a very personal way, and, and so He calls His servants to go and minister to people, again, in personal ways, not just sort of uh, even as a pastor, well, you preach sermons and you do this and that, but, but it's only big picture stuff in business of ministry. But no, in a very personal way, He calls us to make time for others and minister to them in those ways and so we're going to see this lived out in scripture we're going to take a look at two passages today the first is from acts and it's chapter 8 and we're looking at verses 26 through 40 so this is acts chapter 8 verses 26 to 40 and of course we're going to see this play out right making time for others And so I'll just dive in and I'll read this for us here. It says at verse 26, starting there, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, and I want to pause here because you might be thinking, well, Okay, Philip. Who? Probably your first guess would be, well, yeah, isn't that that's you know scratching your head? That's one of the twelve, right? One of the disciples. Uh, there is a Philip who's one of the twelve, but that's not this Philip. That's a different Philip. If we sort of look at the whole context uh, context of this passage in Acts, uh, it's quite clear that it's not one of the twelve, but a different Philip, right? If you sort of think back, maybe you're familiar with the book of Acts, and you're thinking, well, wasn't there that story uh, of how um, the Hellenistic Jews, the the widow amongst the Hellenistic Jews in the early church there right in Jerusalem uh, were sort of being neglected in the daily distribution sort of meeting needs for widows who didn't have much uh, so those who are uh, you know followers of the Lord Jesus who had chosen to follow him these were all Jews at this point who are now followers of Christ Jewish Christians of course uh, and there were widows, and there was a need to minister to them, but sort of the Hebraic Jews were kind of showing favoritism to the Hebraic Jewish widows and ministering to them, but sort of the Hellenistic kind of Greek-like Jewish widows were being neglected. And so the disciples said, well, we don't want to sort of take time out from ministering to people in important ways, proclaiming the truth of the gospel, all, all of this stuff to sort of wait on table. So they said, well, hey, we'll appoint uh, seven people who are mature in the faith and, and sort, sort of can take care of this distribution and make sure that these Hellenistic Jewish widows aren't being neglected. Uh, and so Stephen is one. Stephen, who's martyred, was one of those seven. And there was also Philip as well. These are sort of the first deacons in the church. Philip was one of those seven as well. And in fact, later on in the book of Acts, he's referred to as Philip the evangelist. So that's the Philip that we're talking about here. So it's that Philip, right? So it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, uh, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, so i want to talk about this because almost every translation that i can think of i actually like the way the niv translates this here usually it's translated here as candace which is which is fine it's just sort of you know a a little bit of a different way of rendering it in english but the way in which it's sort of translated is almost like it's a name like there's this oh this ethiopian queen and her name is candace great uh it's not a name it's a title Kandake, and it means queen mother right that's what it is it was sort of this office this role it was the mother of the king. So, whoever was king, who was reigning, well, his mother was the Kandake of uh, the Kushite kingdom, the kingdom of Kush, the Ethiopians, right, sort of in Nubia at that time. And actually, at that time, this role of queen mother, Kandake, w- was quite a significant role, uh, not quite equal with the position of king, but awfully close to it. Over time, it had kind of grown in power and influence to the point that at the time of, of, of Acts here, as we're reading, it was close to being on par with the power and authority of king. Not quite, but close. So here we have this Ethiopian eunuch, right? So he's, in, he's a member of the court of this Ethiopian queen mother, this Kandake, right? Uh, and he is in charge of, of the treasury there. So he has a pretty significant office and role uh, in the kingdom of Kush down in Ethiopia, in, in Nubia. But before I sort of go on with the story and elaborate a little more, I want to set the context of this whole passage, sort of what's been going on right prior to this, right? Philip's actually engaged in some pretty significant ministry right before this. He winds up in the region of Samaria, uh, and he's just going about, he's preaching the gospel, doing his thing, and Samaritans wind up coming to faith. And for us, it might seem like, oh, great, you know, that's awesome, that's wonderful, Samaritans are coming to faith. But this is really, in a sense, groundbreaking ministry, right? Up until this point, all of the followers of Jesus were Jews, right? That's the reality. They were all Jews, whether they were sort of Hebraic Jews, right? Or maybe they were Hellenistic Jews scattered about, you know, in the Diaspora throughout the Roman world who now were, were back in Jerusalem and, and they were following Christ. But they were Jews. They were all Jews uh, until this point. And now, all of a sudden, it's... You know, mind blowing. We have Samaritans, they're being preached to, the gospel's being presented to them, and they're turning toward the Lord and repentance and faith, entering into his, into his kingdom, becoming members of the church, the Holy Spirit's being poured out upon them. So Philip could easily be thinking here, man, you know, I'm kind of doing some great rock star ministry here in, in, in Samaria. Uh, people are coming to faith, you know. Uh, he could think, big picture, I got to keep on doing what I'm doing. I don't have time to go in and you know head down to this road to ultimately at this point he doesn't know why he's going down to this road and who he's gonna meet, right? But ultimately he finds out it's gonna be to minister to this one person. And his mindset could easily be, I have more important things. Than to go and and sort of personally minister to one person who's sort of struggling to understand Scripture, and I'm just going to sort of help explain it to him and lead him to the Lord. I've got bigger fish to fry. I'm doing much more significant, important ministry, and so he could easily say, No, no, I don't have time for for one person. I don't have time for people. I'm thinking big picture, and there are more important things. But he says, No, no, no. Of course, he's faithful to the Lord, follows his direction right? There's an angel of the Lord that appears to him and says, hey, you know, go go and do this. Go to the south, to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So great, he goes and he does that. And he continues to be tuned into the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see, and faithfully follow his leading. So reading on, uh, so this Ethiopian eunuch from this the, the court here of the Kendake in Ethiopia, uh, it says, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So he'd gone to worship the Lord. Now he's on his way back, it says, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Right. So Philip's tuned into the Holy Spirit, his leading, and he's told, hey, go hang out near the chariot. So that's what he does. He's going about along the road on his way. He just hangs out near the chariot, and then we'll read on and see what happens. So verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Right, So he's, he's reading Isaiah here and it's just scratching his head. I, just, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand this. I don't know what this is speaking of. I'm confused. And of course, here's Philip to go and, and sort of open his eyes to the, to the truth. Right, And so we see here not just Philip's heart. We're going to continue to read on here, but just to pause. We see not just Philip's heart where he's willing at the Lord's direction just to go and leave behind this awesome ministry that he's doing and just go and minister to one person, this one Ethiopian right significant official there certainly but this one person just to go he, he's sort of perplexed he doesn't understand of course what, what isaiah is speaking of here is we're going to read on and 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 philip has the heart to be faithful to the lord and just say i'll go minister to that one person and leave all that awesome ministry that i've been doing behind because this is god's will for me and i want to be faithful to that and because hey i have a heart for people and for individuals and for personally ministering to them but even more significantly, we see the Lord's heart, right? His heart for this one person who just doesn't understand the truth, right? Wants to understand what Scripture's saying here, but just doesn't. God has a heart for him, this one individual. And so he sends someone to go and personally minister to him, right? Philip is making time here for others. And it's, it's the heart of the Lord to go and have his servant Philip go and make time for others to go and minister to others. And so we read on here, right, I'll reread verse 31, so we have the, the Ethiopian here saying, how can I, right, I can't understand this. He said, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And this is straight from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. Wonderful suffering servant passage that basically 700 years before Christ is is, is prophesying about Christ, speaking of him. And effectively, it's proclaiming the gospel, right? That's sort of what this passage is saying. But here's this Ethiopian eunuch, and again, just sort of perplexed, what's going on here? What's this speaking of? Verse 34, it says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself, right? Is Isaiah talking about himself here or someone else? What's going on? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus, right? We have here a passage that's all about Christ, all about the good news, and Philip sort of jumps on that, and starting with this very passage, he, he preaches the good news to him, right? He ministers to this person, he recognizes his need, right? He doesn't understand the truth, he's sort of seeking after, and Philip says, hey, I'm just going to minister to you and your, your need make time for you. Yeah, I have a busy schedule. I've got big things going on, but I'm going to make time for you and just minister to you. And he does. And then as we read on, it's quite clear that, that the Ethiopian eunuch comes to faith, right? And as we read on, verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand of the, in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now, I want to sort of back up here, because if you were sort of looking carefully, maybe you noticed it, maybe not, but we jumped here from verse 36 to verse 38, and so you might be wondering, well, is there a verse 37? What's the deal here? Um, There is a verse 37 in a sense. It rightfully doesn't belong in Scripture. I'll actually read these few verses with it in there. Uh, So verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And then verse 37, that's rightfully taken out in pretty much every translation that I can think of, modern translation. says, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, right? And that's the end of 37 and it goes on 38. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Right, so sort of what's going on here? Why why is verse thirty-seven sort of left out? Well, here's the reality: uh, it, it's it's right to leave it out. Not that if you include it, it changes everything. It, you know, it's perfectly theologically accurate and, and 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 you know sort of no issue from that perspective with what's said in verse thirty-seven. Um, but it just doesn't belong. There are a very few manuscripts of of the New Testament, of Acts, that do include verse 37. Um, They're few. They tend to be, not that they're unreliable, but sort of on the spectrum of, of quality of manuscripts, they tend to be, in general, sort of the lower quality rather than sort of the really pristine, great ones that are earlier. They're more the later ones, less reliable. And again, it's only sort of a scattered few. So very clearly, verse 37, it could be accurate. Perhaps Philip did say that, and then the eunuch responded with, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That may actually be factually true that that happened, but it clearly was not originally a part of Scripture. It wasn't something that Luke wrote here as he's writing acts under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, Sort of the manuscript evidence and support is quite clear that it doesn't belong here you know, how it made its way in. Not that if you include it, it changes everything. You know, perhaps there was some oral tradition that this was, or even written somewhere else, not in Scripture, that this was sort of what took place, that Philip responded here with, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And then the eunuch responds, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Maybe there was was some tradition that that was the sort of how things played out and maybe a scribe sort of noted that in the margin off on the side but then some later scribe thought that 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 was some editorial mark noting that a verse had been left out and then it got put into scripture right there are ways you could sort of think of various ways you could sort of think about plausibly how might have this uh, verse been inserted here when it doesn't belong But what happened is when sort of versification of Scripture took place and sort of became mainstream, uh, standardized in the 1500s, as that was taking place, clearly some of the manuscripts used happen to be one of the few even though it's certainly very much the minority of manuscripts happen to include verse 37 and so it's listed as verse 37 right pretty much any good translation now recognizes that the manuscript evidence is is overwhelmingly clear it doesn't belong it may be factually accurate but it's certainly not a part of inspired scripture and so we rightly, rightfully leave out verse 37 but again even if you included it it doesn't really change anything right nothing overly significant But I did want to make note of that just in case you're curious. What's going on here? What happened to verse 37? Did it just disappear? Uh, that sort of explains what's going on there. But anyway, I'll sort of reread that so it's clear without verse 37. It says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Clearly, he's, he's repented and believed. And so he sees and he realized, you know, Hey, I should be baptized. What can stand in the way of my being baptized, he says. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, before we move on to the next passage, I kind of want to take a look at this big picture and again sort of illustrate the the main point here of, of making time for others. Here's Philip. He's engaged in awfully significant ministry, busy schedule, awesome stuff going on in Samaria, sort of groundbreaking. we got Samaritans coming to faith, entering into the kingdom, the Spirit's being poured out upon them. This is wondrous. Philip could easily think, you know, i got big stuff going on. I'm kind of a big deal, you know, like after the 12 and maybe you know like jesus's brother james you know like i'm sort of next in regard to like big deal i'm one of those seven i got some great ministry going on i don't have time to to be bothered by with with one person some guy from ethiopia who's coming here and then headed back and and sort of minister to him that's just sort of i'm sort of too big for that bigger picture is in view and i just I, i can't make time for others that's not his mindset but rather it's no he, he has a heart for others. He certainly just wants to be faithful to the Lord, of course, but certainly clearly has a heart for others and wants to make time for them. And so here's someone, this Ethiopian, who's just failing to understand Scripture right? He just doesn't get what's going on. He sees the need, and he makes time for him. He doesn't say, I'm too busy for you, but recognizes that need, that, that need for being helped in regard to interpreting Scripture and understanding the truth, having his eyes open to the truth about Christ. And Philip says, hey, I'll make the time to help you out. And he does. And again, more significantly, we see God's heart in this for that individual person, and wanting to see that person personally ministered to, by someone else, by Philip, by one of the Lord's servants here. We see God's heart in that, where it's not like, there's too much important stuff going on in Samaria, so I'm not going to be bothered by you know this one Ethiopian who has some questions. You know, I'm not going to be bothered by him. No, he has a heart for that person and sends Philip to go and minister to him. But I want to take a look at another passage. It's not like we just sort of see this principle at work where, hey, we need to make time for others, and oh, we just see it in one place here in Acts, but we see it all over the place And I want to look at the greatest example. Let's look at the example of Jesus and what he models for us. And so I want to turn now to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And I'm going to be reading verses 46 through 52. So Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. And again, here we're going to see the example of Jesus making time for others just to minister to them and their needs. And so let me read it, starting at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But, but notice in the next verse what the response of the people is, what their response is. It says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Right? So you can imagine the crowds, hey, hey, buddy, you know, Bart, Bartimaeus, you know, you're no big deal. You're this blind beggar sitting on the roadside and Jesus, this is Jesus. He, he's just, you know, you're not that significant. He's kind of a big deal. He's got a lot going on. This is the guy who preaches to to thousands at a time, and and you're just some nobody on the side of the road. So just keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything, right? They rebuke him and tell him to be quiet. Jesus doesn't have time for you. He's got bigger fish to fry. He's got bigger things on his mind, and you don't matter. He's not going to make time for you. But of course, that's their mindset, but Jesus has quite a different mindset. Reading on verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Right, so what do we see here? Again, you see sort of the crowd, their mindset, you know, well, here's this, this nobody, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. Uh, Jesus is a big deal. He's not going to have time. He's not going to make time for this nobody. But Jesus says, no, 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 I, I, I am going to make time for him. Yes, I am a big deal. I'm Jesus. I'm, I'm God the Son. Right? And, yep, I've got my plate full with a whole host of different things. Right? There's tons of ministry that the Father is calling me to do. Right? I have a, a long list of things that I have to accomplish in a short period of time. Yep, i got a lot on my plate. But nonetheless, right, this is just the heart of Jesus. He makes time. Even for blind Bartimaeus begging on the side of the road, he makes time for him. It says, call him. Bring him over here. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see he says. Go. Your faith has healed you, right? This is Christ's heart that even for a nobody, sort of culturally speaking in that day and age, this guy's a nobody, he makes time for him, right? And if we even set this in its context, take note what happens right after this. Right, Jesus is leaving Jericho and he's headed straight to Jerusalem and what we see takes place is the triumphal entry. So what is Jesus doing? He's here at Jericho, he's headed to Jerusalem to go and die on a cross to make atonement for sin. So you think about this, Jesus has bigger things on his mind than one blind guy sitting on the roadside. Right? Sort of put this in perspective, Jesus would have had an awful lot on his mind, things far more significant than one person in his blindness. Right? And yet, even in the midst of that, with Jesus understanding what lays before him to to head to Jerusalem, and there he'll head to a cross, make atonement for sin as he dies on the cross, rise again, of course, on the third day in victory, with all of this in his mind laying before him, nonetheless, he still has a heart. It's not like, I'm too busy, I'm doing bigger things. Yes, he is busy. Yes, he is doing bigger things. But nonetheless, even in spite of that, he says, I'll make time even for a nobody blind guy begging on the side of the road, I'll make time to heal him of his blindness. And sure enough, that's what he does. And so the question, in a sense, is, is, well, what's our mindset? Do we have that same mindset of of Jesus, the same mindset as, as Philip? Right, or as we see even in the story of Philip, God's heart and mindset behind that, right? This mindset of saying, even though I'm busy, Jesus had big things on his plate, right? What could be greater than what he was going to do and accomplish? Big things on his plate, and yet he made time to go and heal Bartimaeus. He took time out of his busy schedule to do that. And do we have that same mindset where as we go through life, even if we've got big things on our plate, right? A long list of things to do, do we have the mindset and and the heart attitude of, I just care about people, I just love people, and I know that that's God's calling upon me to love them, and in that love, just to make time, to make time for people, to recognize that there are people all around me who have hurts, who have needs, and just to take time out of my schedule for them, to minister to them, to, to meet their needs, just to care for them, to love on them, to meet their needs, whether they be physical, like Bartimaeus needing healing whether it be more spiritual, right? Think of the eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, and he just didn't understand the truth and the gospel, and he was perplexed with scripture, and Philip goes and preaches the truth and opens his eyes to it, right? Whatever the needs, just to see those needs before us and say, yeah, I'm busy, but this needs to be a priority and just to take time out of our busy schedule for others, right? And that's something that the Lord calls us to do. And so as we we think of sort of, well, what's our takeaway? What's our application? Of course, it it really directly applies to us. Well, we need to make time for others to minister to them. We we can't be getting caught up in the busyness of life, and we need to say, no, this needs to be a priority. Even if we're busy, we need to set aside time, recognize the priority that people are, and say, I'm going to make time for you just to minister to you, just to care for you, just to love on you. But I want to sort of be a little more specific in our application rather than just say, well, you know, make time for others and, hey, go and do it. But I want to be a little more specific in regard to the application and challenge it, and I want to challenge us to do this, just to come before the Lord in prayer and ask him to give us that appropriate heart attitude and mindset where as we go through our daily lives that we would just have a heart for other people Uh, just a burden for them and and a heart for them and desire to meet their needs, just to have the mindset as we go through life that, yeah, I might be busy, but there are other things that are are important, that are more important, that need to be a priority, and that, that involves making time for others, that people need to be a priority, to give us that mindset, that heart attitude, that the Lord would just work in our hearts, the Holy Spirit would be at work, and transforming us and changing us and growing us in that way. But also to pray as well that that God would give us the eyes to see the needs of others around us right? Just to be tuned into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would, would give us those eyes, that we, that He would give us sort of a heart that's tuned into the to Him, to the Holy Spirit and in His leading, and that we would have those eyes to see those needs. Because we can go through daily life thinking, yep, oh, I want to make time for others. But if we're just sort of blind to all of the needs around us because we're just not thinking about other people, we're not really focused on them so much. Even if in a general way we sort of have a willingness to help people, if we're not really sort of looking deeply at people and, and having the eyes to see the needs they're just going to pass us by right we could be like Philip and we're on that road and there's the eunuch the Ethiopian eunuch and we just walk on by because we're blind to the needs of others right so also to pray not just that God would change our hearts and our minds but also that he would give us the eyes to see the needs of others around us and then in love for, for God and for others go and meet those needs take time out of our busy schedules just to go and minister to other people and meet those needs But I also want us to take some time to to really prayerfully, this is another application-specific challenge for us, Uh, some of the ways in which we're called to take time out from our busy schedules for for others might be sort of in ways like Philip and, and Jesus here, where you're just sort of going about your life and boom, you bump into somebody and you make time for them. But God might also, and I would say undoubtedly is also, calling us to make time for people who are sort of already in our lives in some way right it's not just someone that you've never met and you're going to bump into them at the grocery store and you need to make time for them that's a reality for sure but but also God is likely saying to us there are people who are already present in your lives maybe it's a coworker maybe it's someone who lives up the street uh, and the reality is in our lives we're just sort of having the mindset of i'm too busy i i don't have the time to sort of minister to you, I just have too much going on in life, and maybe God's calling us to make time for those people, for that coworker. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe, as I said, it's a neighbor, but someone already in our lives that we're sort of neglecting and failing to make time for. I want us to really take time, be in prayer, and prayerfully consider sort of discerning the leading of the Holy Spirit and asking, God, who in my life are you calling me to make more time for? Who am I in, in my life... Who am I neglecting and I'm just failing to be faithful in regard to ministering to them, making time for them as you've called me to. And just to prayerfully consider the people in your life that God wants you to make time, more time for. And as he sort of lays people on your heart, then to be faithful to it and and give them that time and, and make them a priority and just minister to them whatever their needs are, physical, spiritual, emotional. And ultimately, what I want to say is we sort of think of these points of application. If we really faithfully live them out, if we really do make time for others and minister to them, first of all, most significantly, God's going to be glorified in it, and, and that's what it's all about. It's why we exist. It's what everything is for and all about. It's all about God and his glory. And so he's going to be glorified in it. So let's do it first and foremost for that. But also recognizing that if we live this out faithfully, the lives of others are going to be greatly impacted in a positive way. right? And so we should want to do this first for God, but also for others, knowing that we just want to have out of love, we want to impact people and impact them for the better. But then also, sort of thinking of a a third point, not only should we be doing it for God, for His glory first and foremost, also for others impacting their lives, but also understanding that that as we do this, there's going to be great blessing and joy that comes from it. Just blessing from the Lord. When we're faithful to Him, He delights in blessing us. It's also just going to be a joy. There's always a joy that comes from faithfully serving the Lord, but also just loving others. As we in love minister to people, there's such a wonderful joy that we get to experience in that. And as we get to have a positive influence on peoples, lives what a joy to be able to have a role in that and so there's going to be great blessing and joy for us as well and so I want to challenge us I'm challenging myself to do it even as sort of in regard to my role as pastor just as a person as well as a follower of the Lord Jesus but certainly in a special way as a pastor but I want to challenge all of us as well to really make time for others to minister to them for God for his glory that others might be positively impacted, and also understanding that it's going to result in great blessing and joy for us as well. Amen. And let's pray. Lord God, thank you for these passages that we just read today about Philip, about you, Lord Jesus, the examples that we see before us here of caring for others and seeing those needs, and even in spite of busyness and important things in our lives, taking time, making the time for others to minister to them, to meet needs, whether physical, emotional, spiritual, just to care for others, love on them, and minister to them. And we know all too often we fail to live that out. We just become consumed with ourselves, our own lives, our own agenda, our own busyness, and we just lose sight of people. We lose sight of others. and fail to act in love toward them, and fail to make time for them. And I pray that that wouldn't be for us, Lord, that you would bring about a change within us, give us a heart for others, a mindset as well for them, and making time for them. Give us the eyes to see the needs of others all around us that we might then meet those needs and minister to them. Lord, I pray that you would lay on our hearts people in our lives that you are calling us to prioritize and pour time and energy into in love for them, make time for them to minister to them, Lord. And as we do this, may you be glorified in it. May lives be impacted and changed. And may we experience great joy and blessing. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.